Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. Hey, this is uh, one of these episodes where it's just me talking, and it's going to be a short episode because I am actually at a conference. Uh, I'm a big supporter of associations, as you know. I talk a lot about the fact that I make my living as a professional speaker, and I go to uh, a lot of trade industry conferences. But this week, I'm actually at my own industry's conference. For the past 10 years, I have been an active member of the National Speakers Association. Now, I give this association a lot of credit because I think if I hadn't stumbled upon NSA and joined NSA and attended their annual conference, some of their winter conferences, other workshops that they did, I never would have been able to successfully build a business as a speaker. And one of the reasons for that is from in this industry, and it's true in so many industries, that from the outside looking in, You think that people's day-to-day work and what they do for a living is one thing, but when you actually work in that industry, what you discover, it's something entirely different. Now, a lot of people sort of roll their eyes at their trade associations like, oh, that's like something grandpa does. Uh, There's been a lot of people who claim, without actually looking at the facts, that associations are dwindling away, that membership is down. But according to ASAE, uh, the American Society of Association Executives, which, by the way, is the association of associations, actually, in the last several years, membership is rising by a couple of percentage points. And that is because many associations are having trouble and they are hemorrhaging members. But the smart ones, the smart ones who are willing to try new things, the ones who are willing to sort of adjust what they do, they're becoming more than just a place where someone goes for certification or a place that they go to an annual conference. Because it used to be that associations were the only place you could find information about your industry. If you go back 20 or more years before we had all of these digital tools, before we had the internet, before we had podcasts, before we had online training, The only place you could really get information, depending on what uh, industry you worked in, was by being active in your trade association. So coming to those annual meetings, those meetings were the only place you could find out what was new and exciting and cutting edge. But we all know that we live in a different world. Today, there are a hundred ways that you can find information about your industry or anything that interests you. So attending meetings doesn't seem as important. And a lot of people have predicted 10 and 20 years ago that association meetings and other live gatherings, they were just going to die because who was going to go to these things, right? Why would people go? We could just get online and watch a TED talk. Why would we pay for a hotel? Why would we go to a convention center? But all of the numbers show that 2017 and 2018 were back-to-back record years for attendance at live events, and 2019 is going to be bigger, and 2020 and 2021 are looking to continue to grow. Now, also, one of the reasons you go to these meetings is because human beings, they're social creatures. Yeah, it's great to download a video. It's great to do an online training while you're sitting in your jammies at your computer. However, That human interaction is the reason why live meetings continue to thrive. There's nothing like sitting in the bar at 10 o'clock at night with a couple of your colleagues and telling stories and laughing. 
I did this last night. Uh, my, my daughter has participated at the national, my two daughters have participated at the National Speakers Association for years because one thing that NSA does is they actually have a teen leadership program. Now, sometimes people are confused. They think, oh, they go there to learn to speak. No, the teenagers are the children and grandchildren, maybe nephews and nieces of professional speakers. And about 30 years ago, someone looked around at the national conference for the National Speakers Association and they said, why are there so many kids in the pool and Zig Ziglar is sitting there having a cup of coffee? Why don't we get another ballroom here in the hotel and put all the teenagers in there, ages 10 to 17, and bring in the best thought leaders, the best people who can talk about life skills and leadership and philanthropy? Why don't we bring them in so these kids can hear them? Because the greatest speakers in the world are right here at the NSA convention. And the, this program started. So my kid, my, my oldest kid started at 13, uh, went all the way through until she was uh, aged out, then participated as a counselor for four years. My younger child started when she was 12. She is now in her last year as a, a participant and wants to come back for three more years as a counselor. And so they're with me. Well, my oldest daughter flew in to be part of a family vacation that we're going to do after this conference ends. And when she was younger, she didn't always like to just hang out with the other you know, kids she liked to sit with the adults. She liked hearing adults tell stories about their businesses and best practices. She wanted to be a business major. And so she liked to sit around. But the problem was, in many cases, you can't bring a 13-year-old or a 16-year-old into a bar. But that never stopped me. I just said, come on, you come with me until someone tells you you have to leave. And she'd sit at the table and she'd listen to some of the most dynamic business people who are running businesses as speakers talk about how they started, how they grew it, how they now have employees. And she loved to sit there and listen. But inevitably, it happened every year. The waitress would come over and go, miss, how old are you? And she would say 15. And they would say, mm, you can't be in the bar. In fact, my daughter joked that she had been thrown out of some of the best bars in the country before she was 15 years old. But now she's 22 and she joined me last night in the bar and we sat and talked about the speaking business with about five or eight other people well into the wee hours of the night and we laughed and we got back to, to the hotel room. My daughter goes, my God, that was so much fun. And I was old enough to actually be there this time. That's the thing you can't get online. That's an experience that we had last night that was so much fun and I built connections with some of these other speakers that you can't do in an online world. So that's why associations who are figuring out how to morph, how to change along with the way in society, people are changing in how they want to gather. The smartest associations are doing this. And I actually have the honor that I am going to be on some strategy committees as we look forward with this organization that I belong to. I'm going to be on the committee looking at what are the changes that are going on? What do speakers need to learn about how associations are morphing and changing their industry? This is real stuff, and it's really exciting for me to be able to pull back and start reading about the changes that are happening in the association world because we are redefining what an association is. And the numbers are showing that the millennials are willing to join and willing to participate if associations are providing things the way they want to have it. Does your association have a podcast or are they still sending out a, a CD every single month uh, of, of information along with the magazine? You got to morph and you got to change. The National Speakers Association, along with their magazine, had an audio component going back to the 80s where they used to send cassette tapes. Then one day they switched to CDs. 
Well, the CDs are now gone and starting soon, what we call Voices of Experience, the audio content for the association I belong to is going to become a weekly podcast because people don't have monthly habits. But oftentimes, people do get into a routine. We've been programmed. I mean, think about television for the last 50 years. You always had a certain show you watched every Tuesday. Our brains, we are, as people, programmed to that weekly thing. So that's what the, one of the many changes that my association is making. But many associations are really taking the bull by the horn and taking those changes. And that's what I think is so exciting. Do you belong to your industry association? If you own a truck stop, are you a member of the National Truck Stop Operators Association? If you are a doctor, do you participate actively in medical associations? If you're a plumber, are you active in an association for people who own plumbing businesses? Now, I'll tell you, I'm a joiner. I like being part of an association. I was in a fraternity when I was in in college. I belonged to clubs when I was in high school. I like that camaraderie. Not everybody does. I understand that some people aren't drawn to it the way that I am. Yet, if you are in business, if you're an entrepreneur or you work for a business in any industry, are you willing to say, my competitor can have all those great relationships in our industry, I'm going to stay on the outside? I don't think that that's necessarily the smartest decision for everyone. So I think you should, if you haven't, I think you should go and revisit your industry's trade association. I'll tell you, if I was a locksmith, I would be a member of the National Locksmiths Association. I think it's really important. So before I wrap up this episode, I got a couple more things I want to talk about, about associations and what cool things my own association is doing. I do have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. And I know from talking to people who listen to the show, many of you are thinking, hey, maybe I should start a podcast. Well, if you're going to do it, You cannot do it alone. Unless you are already trained in audio editing, it's a nightmare. So many people I know don't get their podcast out on time because the editing. Recording, it's one thing, but the editing can take a lot longer, especially if there's some things you have to clip out. Maybe I had a coughing fit a few minutes ago. My editor would have taken that out. You won't even know that it ever happened. But if I had to go and actually do that editing, poof, it would never happen. That's where Podfly comes in. So if you want to start a podcast, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So today from the main stage at the National Speakers Association, the new incoming president, Anna Leota, said that here's the thing about associations changing. It used to be you went to work for a company and you worked there for so many years. That was your consistency. Now, the younger generation, the people 35 and under, most of them change jobs every 18 months to every three years. So even if they stay in the same industry throughout their career, they don't have the consistency. They don't have that that home. They don't have those relationships with people that can extend over a long period of time. And that's where the modern association comes in to really be there for it. The associations are there to be the consistency for people. And associations that are grasping this are the ones that are on the rise. Members want value, but they want it on their own terms. They want it on their own time. And after her speech, I asked Anna, I said, will you please come on cool things entrepreneurs do? Because the National Speakers Association has done a lot of research about this, not only to be able to grow and protect this organization's own future, but think about it for a minute. Most people 
who speak for a living speak at least occasionally, if not exclusively, for other associations. There is a huge marriage between the association business and the speaking business. In fact, as a speaker, I see myself first as a part of the meetings industry. Now, the meetings industry also is part of the association industry. There's a lot of overlapping circles here. And right in the middle of a Venn diagram is a place where speakers meet meetings, meet associations. And that's something that NSA has decided to take a really close look at, not just for themselves, but so that they can contribute to the entire organization. How speakers communicate has changed. If you go back and watch video of people like Zig Ziglar, the guys who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul, or the great speakers of that whole era of the 80s and 90s, the way they delivered the spoken word, their motivational messages are very different than what you see today. Now, it is not better or worse, but the way people want to be presented to has changed. People want, they want to have help in creating the content that they're going to listen to. They want speakers to be more interactive. They want their voice to be heard, not only by the speaker, but by the whole audience. And this is something where the model of communication is changing to really be a way that people educate. So in a few weeks, or maybe a few months, because I'm sure she's crazy busy, I am going to ask Anna to be on this show, and we're going to dive deep onto this topic about how associations are changing and how the education and the connection piece really mold together. This is something that I've always found very important because I do a lot of MC work for associations and corporate events, and I've called myself for coming up on a decade now, the conference catalyst. Because people go to show, go to uh, conferences, not only because they want to sit in the audience and see a show, they don't want to just be educated to or talked at. In fact, the day of the the sage on the stage is over. Nobody wants somebody greater than them to come up and talk down to them. People want to sit and listen to a peer. They want to feel like they're having an interaction with somebody who is smart, who they can learn from, but who they also feel is approachable. So because people come to have these connections, one of the things I do in my content is I talk to people about, yes, we are here to learn, but how do we really connect? From how does the audience member work with and connect with and stand in line and meet the speakers, but more importantly, how do they connect with the other people in the room? So the one thing I know that is so true is that it is very important to make sure when you think about attending an event that you realize you're there for two reasons. You're there to learn, but you're also there to connect. So I told the story of being in the bar and how that was all about connection, but it's also learning. One of the things people forget when they plan events is they, they ask the speaker who's going to be on the main stage or doing a breakout to give them two or three or four learning, objective, uh, learning objectives of what will happen in that session so that our people are evaluating what they're going to go to. They can easily know where the nuggets of information are going to be, what they're going to learn, and they can decide if the level of learning is right for who they are in their own industry. But here's what we forget. The hallway conversations, those impromptu barroom conversations, that's where the power of a live gathering happens. Those impromptu hallway conversations are what people tell me is where they get their money's worth from attending an event. Think about it. You've all attended a live event and you go into the general session. You're so excited to hear some famous speaker and they give the same speech that they gave to the Dog Catchers Association and you realize they haven't changed a word. They don't know who the audience is and you go, huh, 
But so what? Because later that day, during the networking break, you talk to somebody who has a company just like yours across the country who has come up with a new idea on how to market, and they're willing to share the idea with you, and they tell you, and you figure out a way that you can twist that and make it work in your market, and it helps you grow your business. Well, who cares if the speaker was great? The learning that takes place between people can be just as important as the learning that takes place in the, the session rooms. So this is what I always talk about is we have to make sure we remember that the speakers are important and the education matters, but also that human to human engagement, those conversations that just happen can be just as important. Now, the National Speakers Association introduced something at this conference that I think every association should look at, model, and implement, and they called it BDA. Now, this isn't original. I've seen other groups do similar things, but think about this for a minute. When you're putting on an event, if you work for an association or if you belong to an association, are they doing this for you? BDA. It stands for before, during, and after. An event, a conference like the one I'm attending, shouldn't just be the three or four days that the event happens. There should be learning that's coming at you beforehand. There should be information, ways to engage, ways to network, ways to get involved with opt-in uh, mastermind groups for people who are coming to the conference. Are there ways to facilitate camaraderie and connection and learning long before people show up at the hotel? Then, of course, during is what we think about when we think about the event. Is it being planned correctly? Is the education level being geared towards who's going to be in the audience? Those things matter as well. But then after, is there follow-up? Is there accountability? Are there webinars or, or podcasts or other things that come out that take the learning farther and reconnect people back to the notes they took while they were on site? So I loved it today when Anna talked about before, during, and after, and we'll talk about that when I interview her. We'll go much deeper on all of that. So that's what I wanted to talk about today because I don't know who you are as an entrepreneur. I know some of the people who listen to the show, but I don't know everybody. Some people work for big companies. Some people work for small companies. Some people work for themselves. The industries that you work in are all across the map. But here's the thing. You can't do it alone. You're going to be better off if you find your tribe, if you find that association that really makes a difference to you, and if you get involved, and if they are growing and they are feeding their members everything they need, and you can build those friendships, those friendships can become little circles of learning. And those little circles of learning can give you a nugget or an idea that you can then implement. And I really believe it will change your business. I know this because this is what's happened to me over the last 10 years. If it wasn't for my getting involved with this association, the National Speakers Association, my business never would have been successful. And I never would have been able to share with my family the advantages that have come from working for myself and being able to include my children in attending this conference with me over the last 10 years. Just a little side note, a little personal note. This is the last year I have to pay for anyone to attend the Youth Leadership Conference because my daughter next year will be a leader and it's not nearly as expensive to bring her when I don't have the giant fee. So for 10 years, I have had a fee every single year between my two children and it's expensive to bring them. Plus there's the airfare and the hotel and they eat. God, you bring your kids to a fancy hotel and they're gonna find the expensive restaurants. But I'll tell you what, sharing that experience with my two daughters and letting them understand what I am and letting them meet and become friends with other children of people who do what I do has been very rewarding. And I hope that your association in the industry that you work in has a way to provide you both those tangible and intangible experiences and benefits. 
Hey, thanks for tuning in and listening to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I am going to do a real quick commercial for the episode that's right before this one. It's become the most downloaded episode of any that I've ever done. It blows me away how many people have listened to this episode. So you have to go back. I don't know the number offhand, but you have to go back and listen to the episode that is about the drone industry and the television show, The Amazing Race. If you have not heard my interview with Colin Gwynn, who basically helped invent the entire commercial drone industry. And just last month, he won a million dollars along with his wonderful wife, Christy. They were the team on the Amazing Race season 31 of Colin and Christy. You have to listen to that episode because one of the things you need to do as an entrepreneur is not just think one step ahead, but you need to think two or three steps ahead. And Colin talks about how he has done that in business, helping take a company from $3 million a year to a half billion dollars a year in five years and how he and his wife manifested and planned their way to victory in season 31 of The Amazing Race. So go backwards and check that one out. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this show. We're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with someone really, really cool. But in the meantime, I challenge you, go out there and try something new. Do something that frightens you a little bit. Stretch yourself. And while you're at it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.